Welcome to the Money Shop Podcast, episode number three. Today we're talking about a fairly contentious subject, whether you should own or rent the property that you live in. Dun dun dun! So yeah, let's crack on. You're listening to the Money Shop Podcast with your host, Damien Fogg, making personal finance and investing easy to understand, less intimidating, and even bordering on fun. So just to set the record straight, I don't have a view either way. I could give a shit if you live in rented accommodation or if you own the place you live in. Personally, I have lived in rented, so I've been a tenant. I've owned my own property. I've been a landlord, so I've rented my property out to other people. So I've kind of been in every possible variation of this situation and scenario. Right now, I have just sold a property, a personal property, in Cambridge, and moved back into rented for personal reasons. And, well, I'll get to the and part a bit later at the end. But I guess first off, what are the main reasons why you might or might not want to live in rented? People always have a fairly strong opinion on this for some reason. Don't really know why, but I posted something on LinkedIn a while ago and got a fairly quite angry responses from some people. Don't know what the fuck climbed in there. Breakfast cereal that day, but whatever. There's the financial side of it, and we'll go into a bit more detail. Not too much, but we'll go into some detail a bit later. But let's just look at the other things. So one of the big ones that people always mention is the stability that you get from owning the property that you live in. So you can't be evicted with a couple of months notice if you own the place rather than a renting. And for a lot of people, that makes a lot of sense. That's something that's very important to them. However, if you're in rented, you've got the flexibility. So if your job asks you to move or you decide to move for any reason, you don't have to go through the long drawn out process of putting the property on the market, selling it, blah, 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 all that stuff. You can just serve notice on the landlord and bugger off. So again, there's, there's pros and cons to both of those sides of it. For people with children, this, I guess the security and stability side of it comes in there, but also things like being in the right catchment area for a school, now, again, if you own the place, if your kids are, I don't, I don't really know how schools work, but as far as I understand it, you have to live in a certain catchment area to, for your kid to be eligible to go to that school. If you own the place, then you're pretty much guaranteed that you'll still be there when the time comes for them to look at where you live, I think. If, however, you're in rented, you could potentially get kicked out and you might end up moving too far away so that you're no longer in a catchment area, or it just becomes too inconvenient to have to drive to the school that your kid's in. So you've then got to uproot the kids, all that shit. So that's a fairly negative for renting. Again, however, you could look on the other side and say, you can move into, with rented, you can move quite easily into a better school catchment area. So you might up your chances of getting your kid into the fancy pants school or whatever by moving around in rented accommodation a lot more easily than you would by moving house and owning it. There's usually usually there's often a premium to be paid if you are in the catchment area of a very good school so again swings and roundabouts doesn't really make a huge difference for some people but for others it's a massively important decision work is another one if you're kind of at the start of your career and maybe you want quite a lot of job mobility and flexibility if you 
want to be able to move to the best paying job in your industry, then being in Rented makes that so much easier. You can just, again, serve your notice, bugger off, find somewhere to live that is useful for your new job, stay there for six months, 12 months, whatever it might be, and then move to the next one. That's a lot easier than having to do the whole buying, selling, all that every single time. So work might be a reason for you to want to be in Rented rather than owning. And then something that kind of came to me pretty much because of my last girlfriend. So she was very good at making a house a home. I'm fucking useless. So my place looked like, well, it looked empty most of the time, but it looked like a bloke with no sense of style or no sense of interior designing skills lived there, which is true. But she was great at making, sort of turning a house into a home and nesting a little bit. And that's hugely important for some people. Having a place to stick all of the stuff that you own and maybe encouraging you to buy more stuff that you might want, I don't know. For some people, that's a sign of, I don't know, success and going in the right direction in life. So for them, being able to nest, being able to turn something into very much their own, putting their own stamp on it, decorating pictures up, all that guff. For some people, really important. For others, not even remotely. So I guess what I'm trying to get to is there are lots of reasons completely independent of finances, whether it's a good investment, whether it's not, whether it's wasted money, whether it's not, that actually potentially are more important to people as to why they rent and why they own. As we know, the average age of a first-time buyer nowadays is sort of mid-30s, pushing closer to 40. People are having to rent longer is the general consensus. That's what people always say, because house prices are so expensive, blah, blah, blah. And yet, absolutely, I agree with that. On the other hand, a lot of people, a lot of people I know, sort of mid-30s, early 30s, late 20s, even if they could afford to buy, which in some cases they can, they still prefer to rent because they like that flexibility. They don't know 100% where they're going to be in the next five years. So they don't want to commit to one place. They don't want to commit to one type of property. Maybe they're thinking of settling down with someone so they don't necessarily want to buy a one-bed flat, which might be all they can afford. Instead, they'd rather rent, wait until they're with someone else and maybe go for that two, three-bed house, whatever. So it's not a cut and dry from a purely financial position, you should do X. Bollocks. There's a whole bunch of reasons why you should do one or the other. And as ever, it's always completely dependent on you and your situation. So that was a long ass rant, really, to say numbers aren't necessarily the be all and end all, which for someone doing a financial podcast, probably I shouldn't have said. But anyway, let's look at the actual numbers now. And this is the fun bit. Now, before I go into the actual ins and outs of the numbers, just a heads up. If you go to theepinvestor.com forward slash buy or rent, then you can look at all of the numbers in a bit more detail, mostly because I don't want to bore you by just shouting out random numbers and percentages. So it'll be much easier to figure it all out there if you're overly interested in the number side of it. If not, we'll explain it all here. So I guess really the question I was looking to answer is what are the costs involved in renting versus the costs involved in owning a property? Now, you often hear from people that renting is just throwing money away, it's dead money, you're clearing somebody else's mortgage. A lot of negative associations around the money that you pay out in rent is a complete waste of time and anyone who does it is a fucking idiot. Now, that always seemed a little bit harsh to me and because I'm a massive geek, I thought I'd look into the actual numbers of it. So I have made a whole bunch of assumptions and they are all in the blog post So and they'll be in the show notes 
maybe, hopefully. So you can go and look into them in a bit more detail. But I tried to make it very middle of the road and quite realistic. So some of the assumptions I was making, a property that you could rent for, say, £1,000 a month, or that you could buy for £250,000 a month. So it's not an awful yield from a rental point of view, and equally, it's not an unre unreasonable or unrealistic sort of property that you might be looking at buying. And what I really wanted to do was look at it over, say, a 30-year time period. And, you know, as soon as you look at anything financial over 30 years, it's completely fucking made up. It's not going to be that accurate or that useful, but it's more just to prove a point, I suppose. So if you think about renting a property for 30 years, paying £1,000 a month, £360,000 is what you're going to spend in rent over that time. Whereas if you were to buy a property for £250,000 and you put your deposit down and you paid your interest-only mortgage, the cost to you would be around, for ease of doing it, about £250,000. So that's what you'd spend. So for 30 years, fairly simply, you could just say you'd be £110,000 better off by owning a property and living in it rather than renting that same property. Now, yeah, don't get started about, oh, but what about inflation and blah, 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 all that bollocks. Yes, it's true, but for these purposes, I'm trying to keep it as simple as possible. So, what you have to bear in mind, in those two scenarios, it seems fairly straightforward, doesn't it? You could either spend £360,000 over 30 years, and at the end of that, have absolutely nothing. Or, you can pay £250,000, and at the end of that, Assuming it's a mortgage that's an interest only, so you're not paying down the debt that you owe, you're still going to have a property that is yours, that has some equity in it. So, surely you've paid less over the 30 years, you've now got an asset still, well, you've still got an asset at the end of it, why wouldn't you just do that? Seems like a complete no-brainer. And for a lot of people, that's where the end of the analysis goes. Unless you're a mega nerd. So, what I looked at was... The deposit side of things, if you're buying a 250 grand house, roughly speaking, you're going to have about 62,500. And yes, you could put 25,000 in if you had a 10% deposit. But if we assume you put 25% down, which is about normal for a lot of people, it's 62,500 pounds. Now, I guess one of the things we should have covered off before, from a cost point of view, some people straight up don't have 62 and a half grand to stick into a property. So when it comes down to, ooh, should you rent or should you buy? If you haven't got the money, you haven't got the fucking choice. So maybe you can't get a mortgage, maybe you haven't got a deposit. Your only option is to rent. So kind of you don't get to be involved in this debate. This is more a debate for people who have the option and are trying to decide what to do. Sorry about that. Now, if we looked at that 62 and a half grand, and actually assume that you have that in the first place and you try to decide, should I rent, should I buy, should I rent, should I buy? If you decide to rent, then yet we know you've got £360,000 to spend over the next 30 years. But right now, you've got grand that you should, should, could, whatever, probably should, invest. And now, again, assumptions and all that, realistically, a pretty low rate of interest, 5% a year, I think I worked on the basis of, if you now look at the numbers side by side, you've got 360 grand of rent that you've got to pay, but the interest that you're going to make, plus the deposit in the first place, that's 62,500, over 30 years, that equates to £156,000 on its own, which is nice. 
So the real cost of renting, if you say, well, I spent 360, but I've now got 156, ends up being 204,000 pounds. The mortgage interest that you paid, if you remember, was around 250. So you're basically 50 grand better off now being a tenant and renting for 30 years rather than owning. Kind of flipped it on its head, didn't it? Weren't expecting that. Unless you've already read the blog, in which case you probably were. Now, I can hear all those people that hate me crying out, but what about capital appreciation? Yes, you're buying a property and it will probably go up in value over the years. They have done historically in the UK for the past, God knows, 100 plus years, since we've been recording it anyway. So there's a good likelihood that it still will do that. Yep, good point. So there's a whole bunch of, there's an argument around properties double every seven years. If you assume they doubled every 15 years instead, that £250,000 house in 30 years time is going to be worth a million pounds. Woo! That beats your £150,000 that you're 62 and a half turned into just by investing it normally, didn't it? But, and now here's the bit where I sometimes get into fights with people. Is your home really an investment? So if you live in, let's just say, a three-bed semi and it costs grand today, fast forward 30 years' time, your three-bed semi is worth a million. Well done you, happy days. But you still got to live somewhere, so... If you sell that and you realise your million pounds, less the, depo- uh, less the mortgage that you haven't paid, then yeah, you've got whatever it is, 800,000 plus. Cool. You still need to live somewhere though. So if you want to live in the same type of property, in the same type of area, all that stuff, you, you've got 200 grand missing that you need to fund somehow. So people often forget that, yeah, cool, your house has gone up in value, but that hasn't really made any material difference to you because provided you need to live somewhere, you still need roughly the same amount of money to move somewhere else. So this is where it comes into the whole, the rat race thing of you buy a house, you go up as fast and as high as you can on the housing ladder. And then when you come to retire, you have to sell and move into a shitty little static caravan somewhere because you've had to sell your main asset, which is your home, because that's where all your cash is tied up in. The only way you can access any of that is by selling it and downsizing. That sounds like a shitty plan to me. I'd rather live somewhere nice when I retire. But, them's the rules, apparently. But if you decide not to follow that plan, what are your other options? So yeah, I can't disagree. I think owning a property, yep, they have historically gone up in value. They probably will continue to do so, whether or not they'll go up by as much. I mean, I don't think they will, but whatever. Over time, they're probably going to go up. So when you start looking at things like that, you could say, well, okay, clearly then, owning a property is much better than renting. But there's the issue of maintenance of a property. If you're a tenant, if the boiler breaks, you ring somebody up and say, hey, mate, it's a bit chilly. The boiler's broken. Can you come and fix it, please? Now, yeah, sometimes landlords are assholes and they won't do anything. But assuming they're decent humans and they follow the rules and the law, it's their responsibility to pay for somebody to come out and fix it, their responsibility to replace the boiler if it's broken. Over a 30-year time period, they're probably going to do quite a lot of repair and maintenance work like that. They might have to replace the electrics, the, fix the roof, windows, all that sort of stuff. That If you're a tenant, you ring up and you make a complaint about something and it gets fixed. Or the other option is the house suddenly becomes a bit cold because the boiler's knackered and the windows aren't good anymore. You move... It's very straightforward as a tenant to just be like, yeah, I'm off. So you give them notice, 
and you bugger off to a new place that has new windows, new boiler, etc. If you're the homeowner, that's all your responsibility. And that shit can add up over the, over the years. But things like over 30 years, you're probably going to replace a kitchen, a bathroom. Now, depending on you, what your tastes are, that can run anywhere from like four grand to 40 grand. And it's all on you to be the one that pays for that. So that's kind of the downside to, yes, you own the asset, it's going up in value, but it's on you to maintain it. So there are costs involved with that. So what are the actual realities here? We've, I've always said I can make numbers prove any point I want, really. And so in the first instance, you were 100 grand better off by being a homeowner than you were by a tenant. Next set of numbers I threw out, you were 50 grand better off being a tenant than you were being a homeowner. Next set, you were 800 grand better off and blah, blah, blah. I can make numbers jump around and do whatever. And most people that are good with a spreadsheet and they have a lot of spare time can do the same. So what's the point? What's the real world of all of this? I think, me personally, and this is what I'm genuinely doing myself, it's not financial advice and you definitely shouldn't pay attention to me, but this is just what I'm doing. I'm currently living in rented because it suits me from a, a lifestyle point of view. I get to move whenever I want. I can. I don't have to be anywhere. I've got no kids. I have no wife that needs to be near a job or anything like that. So I'm fairly flexible. The money that I had invested in a property that I lived in myself or that I could use to buy my own property, I've decided to invest that, but not in something that will give me 5% a year return. So not really like the stock market, that kind of stuff, actually in other properties. So I'm still buying probably not the same sort of property. That 250,000 one, the yield is quite low. So I think it was about 4.8, something like that to get a thousand pounds. That's quite low for the sort of properties I buy. I tend to look for things that are maybe 7%, 8% gross yield. If you don't know what gross yield is, send me an email and ask. But I tend to look at properties that are good for cash flow. So I'm investing my money in property that gives me positive, gives me passive income that we talked about the other day. And so every month I make, whatever it might be, 100, 200, 300, 500 pounds each month profit from that property. And when I say profit, the cash might be higher than that, but the profit section is because I'm setting aside money each month to cover the costs of fixing the windows, fixing the boiler, all that stuff. So I have pre-planned that maintenance in there. So my plan is, and I can't say this is my plan for 30 years because it will probably change in a couple of years time, but right now I'm using the money I've got that could be used for a personal property to invest in property. That over time, with a bit of luck, will go up in value. And at that point, it's a genuine asset. So if I decide to sell it, then all that cash comes back to me. And it's not, I'm now homeless, I need to figure out where to live and spend exactly the same amount of money to get somewhere just as good. It's genuinely just an asset that's gone up in value. So I'm happy I can spunk it on whatever stupid stuff I want. From a renting point of view, as I say, right now it suits me, but in the future it probably won't. At some point, I might find somebody drunk enough and stupid enough to settle down with me in which case we'll probably want some kind of security and actually buy a property at that point. Who knows where it might be, who knows how drunk she might be. But that's kind of a long-term plan of that's the, the route I'll go. In the meantime, and this is the part where I said I'd be honest and open with you, I've actually, I sold my house recently, last tail end of 2017, and moved into rented. I've now just been given my eviction notice by the landlord here boo 
So I managed to, I basically moved for a giant fuck off balcony. I've lived through all of the snow and shitty winter that we had in 2017, 18. Now that it's starting to get closer to summer, I'm getting evicted. So I'm not happy about that. But in the grand scheme of things, if I want, I'll just look for another property that I can rent that gives me similar sort of, hopefully, good sized balcony, but similar pros that living in rented gives me right now. The reality, I'll probably just bugger off and go traveling for a little bit, which again, isn't a bad option. So let's try and wrap this up and have some sort of useful conclusion. I guess from a numbers point of view, everything I've just said, entirely academic. What matters is you go through the same process and think about what's right for you. What I don't like, and I really honestly don't have an agenda here. I, I'm not dead against people owning their home. I don't think people that buy a property are being stupid. Equally though, I don't think people who rent a property instead are being stupid either. And there almost seems a bit of a smug twattiness to people that have managed to buy a property, judging other people that are still in rented. And that kind of pisses me off a little bit. That was sort of the reaction I was getting from people when I posted something on LinkedIn a while ago. It was all very much, oh, renting's just pointless and you're just paying a landlord's uh, mortgage for them and landlords aren't doing it out of the goodness of their heart. They're only doing it to make a profit. Well, yeah, we are. But unless you're a subsistence farmer, Tesco's are selling you fruit and veg and meat on a regular basis for a profit. So if you don't like the fact that they are going to make a profit on selling you food, why have you suddenly got a problem with a landlord making a profit, giving you somewhere to live? So it just seems like a flawed argument. And again, it's a bit of a, we just think landlords are dicks and we hate them all. So that was one of the reasons why I went through this process of figuring out exactly what the numbers said. And I think the conclusion I came to was, yeah, okay, you could argue the toss either way, really. Do you buy a property? It goes up in value. You've got an asset that's gone up in value. Hopefully, if you've done it well and sensibly, you've cleared your own mortgage on your own property. So you've got a lot of options at that point and you've got a lot of security and stability. If you want to go the other route, if you've invested that same money sensibly somewhere else, you've got the same options, stability, security, because you've got a lot of assets behind you that you can do whatever you want with. It doesn't really matter. In the grand scheme of things, it kind of balances out. Sometimes there'll be higher cash flow if you're a renter because you're paying probably more than most people pay on a mortgage for a similar property, but you haven't had that large capital requirement at the front end. You're not going to get a big capital lump at the end, whereas someone who owns a property would. But if you've invested that money sensibly somewhere else, you can. So it's it's just really spinning things on their head a little bit and taking out the whole assumption that you need to be a homeowner and that's your ultimate long-term goal. And if you don't achieve that, you're a sack of shit and you're pointless to society. Bollocks to that. If renting works for you, rent and rent happily and send people that give you shit to my article. A lot of time, it's parents and they mean well, but that was just the way they were brought up and that was all sort of the Thatcher, all of that, just constantly banged on about everyone in the UK should own their own home. That is the ultimate goal for people. And I just don't think that's relevant nowadays. So at least you have a good argument for remaining in rented if you want to, or if you want to own a property, you've got a good argument for that as well. So I'm here to help you argue, basically, which I wasn't sure was supposed to be the point of the podcast, but whatever. So yeah, to wrap it up, do what you like. Don't let anybody judge you. Don't let anybody tell you what you should or shouldn't do. And if they do, 
send them my way and I'll bully them for you. On that note, go and buy something or rent something. Do whatever works for you. Ta-ta. So you just survived and hopefully enjoyed the money shot from Damien Fogg. If you just can't help yourself and you want even more, head over to the epinvestor.com forward slash podcast for the show notes, links to whatever shit he just talked about in this episode, possibly some exclusive content about cool finance stuff, and even maybe a free pony. 